You're about to join Jerry Parker, Maritz Siebert, and Niels Kostrup-Larsen on their raw and honest journey into the world of systematic investing and learn about the most dependable and consistent yet often overlooked investment strategy. Welcome to the Systematic Investor Podcast Series. Welcome or welcome back to this week's edition of the Systematic Investor Series with Jerry Park and me, Nils Kastor-Larsen, where each week we take the pulse of the global market through the lens of a rules-based investor. For those of you who are regular listeners, our conversations are intended for you to learn and grow as a rules-based investor. And if you're new to the show, we hope that today's episode will trigger your curiosity to check out the back catalog and listen to past episodes that you may have missed like last week's episode with Rob, where he um, discussed some uh, new changes that he's made to his system and also revealed what his next book is going to be about. Jerry, always great to be back with you. How are you doing? Where are you, where are you today, so to speak? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm in Tampa, Florida, and I'm going to be here for a while. So um, it's really great here, really nice. I did enjoy that uh, Rob... As always, and I love listening to Rob. I love being on with Rob. I love his comments about me. <laughs> Can't wait to see him again. And I always, you know what I do with the podcast? I wait until it comes out. Well, I don't wait. But I listen to it on Spotify. Then when it co- comes out on YouTube, I watch it, listen again, so I can um, utilize the transcript that's created by YouTube so I can copy paste every little word that Rob says or oh yes and Richard and Moritz you know it's all I get a lot of good tweets out of those guys but uh, the the last time Richard was on it when it finally showed up on YouTube the transcript was in Vietnamese <laughs> so I'm not sure what happened with YouTube on that one and uh, hopefully that doesn't happen again no, maybe we mentioned some words they don't like, and then they turned it into uh, Vietnamese instead. You never know. You never know. Yeah, what does skew rhyme with? Exactly, yes. <laughs> now, of course, this is uh, normally the point where I would give a shout-out to those of you who left the rating and review to show my appreciation, as it really does help the show. And this week, by the way, I was made aware by a quote-unquote podcast specialist that the best thing for me to say when it comes to asking for the help of our community, is just to say, if you love the podcast, please get someone else to listen to. So with that simple message, I hope that will inspire you. Now, today will be a very different episode than the usual Systematic Investor episodes that you've become used to. And I'm so grateful to you, Jerry, that you said yes without any hesitation to me doing something completely different without me telling you what we're going to do today. I appreciate you and the trust you put in me when out of the blue asking you to do something different. I really do. Now, I will reveal in a few minutes what we're going to be doing today. But first, I want to share a personal story that is very important to me and to my family. You see, on this coming Wednesday, October 13th, it will be the 10-year anniversary of my son having a sudden cardiac arrest while he was playing football at his school. He was only nine years old at the time, and he was attending fourth grade. Now, I know that my family is not unique in facing a real struggle. A lot of people around the world, and perhaps even some of you listening today, will also have faced a time in your life where things suddenly change for the worse. 
and where it's hard to make sense of what's happening. Life can seem unfair, and we struggle to understand why these things happen to us. And for those of you who have not faced a period like this, frankly, I'm really happy for you because it's really the worst thing that can uh, that you can imagine. So on October, on October 13th, 2011, around 4 p.m., I get a call from my wife that our son had collapsed whilst playing football and that I had to get to school as soon as possible. When I got the call, I was, in fact, in a very important meeting with a potential investor that if they decided to invest, I had my own business at the time along with a couple of partners, it would make a huge difference to uh, our little CTA firm at the time. But I knew right away that this was not important compared to me getting out to uh, where my son and family was at the school as quickly as possible. And so I simply got up from the meeting and I explained the situation and I left. Now, when I got to the school, I could see uh, a lot of ambulances. I could see a helicopter and lots of medical staff attending to my son. But as he got loaded onto the helicopter, we were told not to expect a good outcome since he had had to be kept alive by one of the school nurses for 20 to 30 minutes before the medics arrived with a defibrillator. And after three attempts, they got his heart started again. I'm going to spare you for the details of what happened the next 36 hours until they tried to wake him up. But I'm thrilled to tell you that today my son is 19 years old. He's doing well and he's studying business at university. And I was incredibly proud of him when he last year, as he finished high school, gave the appreciation speech at his graduation to personally thank the nurse that saved his life and who still works at his school. But the reason I'm sharing this story with you, this traumatic event that we had to go through, it led my family to start a charity called the Kids Heart Foundation, and where we, for the past 10 years, have donated defibrillators and life-saving first responder training to schools in our state, or canton as they call them here in Switzerland. Now, we can only do this with the financial support of donations from the community. And today I want to ask you, or those of you who can afford it, of course, to consider supporting Kids Heart Charity. Now, luckily, this anniversary comes at a time when trend following has been doing really well. So hopefully some of you that have made substantial gains in the last 12 to 18 months would like to put some of those gains to good use. And because I would like to be able to personally thank those of you who are willing to support our cause, the way you can do it is to first just send me an email to info at kidsheart.ch. So that's info at kidsheart.ch. And then I will provide you with the details. And let me just finish by saying that even though we donate this equipment and training, hoping it will never be used, we have actually already saved a life of one teacher at one of the schools who received a donation from us. And it's really gratifying. It's a gratifying feeling to sit across someone who you know would not have been alive had it not been for the work we do thanks to the support of an amazing community around us. I'm hoping we can raise 100,000 Swiss franc, which will allow us to finish our mission of making schools in the canton of Souk heart safe before moving on to other cantons in Switzerland. So I truly hope to hear from some of you who want to help us continue to make a difference. And in case you're wondering, 
at least if you're based in Switzerland, you can deduct your donation in your tax return. But admittedly, I don't know how this works in other countries and how they treat donations to a Swiss charity. But hopefully, that's not really the reason why you would do it anyway. So thank you for allowing me to share this with you today. So before we go into our surprise topic, Jerry, let's talk a little bit about what we normally do, and that is what stood out for you in the last few weeks in terms of markets, performance, whatever it might be that you've uh, noticed. Yeah, well, um, you know, I think the grains keep going up, and um, that's good to see. That's uh, certainly been one of our better sectors. Um, corn and soybeans sort of stalled, but we have I have massive diversification in that area. So we're still doing well in some of those markets. Um, the reversal of the dollar, dollar strength, for the most part, that uh, was um, interesting. And my I'm long some currencies now, short some currencies, but they're like not going anywhere. They stalled. So the, the shorts are not uh, going down a lot and the longs quit going up. So that's been my observation there. And of course, um, the reversal in the interest rates, that's been a big, uh, the change of in inflation expectations and what's going to happen there. But, you know, a lot of uh, energy has been a big move I've seen in, in our portfolio with the crude heating oil unleaded continuing to go up. We've been long natural gas and U.S. gas, and those have been crazy markets, crazy volatility, probably the, the wildest volatility in the U.K. gas in, in a market I've seen in a while. So we're sort of sitting with that wishing we would have pulled the trigger near the highs. But uh, where was I? I was a little asleep at the wheel. Oh, that's right. I was following my system. So we don't pull the trigger at the highs. But um, that's been kind of crazy. And the LME still been strong. Copper is the laggard now. But the other aluminum, zinc, nickel, lead, tin, they've been really strong. Coffee, that trend uh, has been stalled for a while, but it's make, getting close to new highs. So that's been, I held on to my coffee. So that's been good. So it's been another pretty trendy period, I think. September was, a, you know, was a decent month for us. So uh, the trends continue, but I see a lot of volatility with the open profits in my future, which I preach not to pay attention to, but I've never said it doesn't bother me. So I just uh, have to live with it. That's what we do. And I've the older I get, the more I revert back to when I first started in 1983 about hunting for outliers and uh, the willingness. And then the, the one of the key characteristics is don't get out of these trades too quickly and be bold with your profits. And I keep forgetting that over the years, but I'm back to remembering it. Oh, full speed now. Fantastic. Good stuff. Yeah. On our side, it uh, just to make it super short, it was a good start to the fourth quarter, a strong week performance-wise, as you said as well, Jerry. On the volatility side, it was a completely flat week, so nothing new to report there. For my trend-following portfolio, I'm just going to give the headline numbers. Uh, so far in October, it's up 3.68% for the month. It's up 8.18% for the year. All three groups are making money so far. So with that, cut short, normally we would take some questions now, but because of this surprise that I have installed for Jerry this week, I'm not going to do that today, but I will keep them for next time because I know there are some that had already come in for you from Robert and others. So uh, so I hope that you can just be a little bit more patient, Robert, and uh, we'll get to them next time. However, that being said, 
we do have some questions. And it's kind of funny you mentioned 1983 because these questions were actually produced in 1983. There's 63 of them, Jerry. Because today, and I will say it's important for me to stress that Jerry had no idea of what we're going to do today. We will actually have Jerry take the questions that he got from Richard Dennis back in 1983 in order to be led into the Turtle program and see how those answers will come out today now some years later. I think this will be super fun. I'm going to be putting the answers into the questionnaire, which is online at our friend Andrew's uh, website, 40 in, 20 out. And so far, 68.4% is the average score. So we'll see how we get. I hope that we may, we may get the answer today. I don't know how quickly it's computed and sent back to me, but uh, we'll, we'll see. If not, I will, and Jerry, we, I mean, we will share it on Twitter. So make sure you follow Jerry. I'm sure you already do. Or share or, or follow uh, Top Traders Live on Twitter and uh, you'll get some uh, insights. So with that being said, the um, questionnaire starts off like this. Richard Dennis of C&D Commodities is expecting applications for position as commodity futures trader to expand his established group of traders. Mr. Dennis and his associates will train a small group of applicants in his proprietary trading concepts. Successful candidates will then trade solely for Mr. Dennis. They will not be allowed to trade futures for themselves or others. Traders will be paid a percentage of their trading profits and will be allowed a small draw. Prior experience in trading will be considered, but is not necessary. All right, Jerry, let's do it. Okay, I'll do my best. Mm. Okay, good. Question number one, and there's 63 of them, so I hope, I mean, I'm sure it won't take more than half an hour or so to go through them, but there we are. Question number one, one should favor being long or being short, whichever one is com uh, is comfortable with. Uh, I, sh I think that's false. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's false. You know, the thing of it is, is that I had a high score on this test, but I didn't get a perfect score. And I don't know if I'll do as well this time as I did last time. So <laughs> we'll see. And there were a hundred questions. So I have a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. I need to put together a project to find the balance of these questions. I'm sure I, I have it somewhere in my files, but, um, yeah. well, we'll take it again when we get to a hundred questions, but right <laughs> now you're, you're going to get off with only 63 questions. So first question false. We'll see. As I said, I don't know the result, even though I have my, my, my feeling that um, you probably got this one right, but there we are. We'll see at the end. Question number two, on initiation, one should know precisely at what price to liquidate if a profit occurs. Yeah, I think that's true. I think I knew the answer to this. I think I had studied a bit of trend following, and that first rule of trend following is take small losses, cut your losses short. Yeah, pretty obvious. Okay, I'm not that I'm going to debate your answer, but I'm just going to say, was this a trick, trick question? Because he says, once you get out precisely at, uh, at, or know what price to get out at to liquidate, if a profit occurs. Oh, he said if a profit occurs. Sorry. Yeah, I just want to make careful. sure you heard that. No, I didn't yeah. hear that. So I think okay. that's false. Yeah, you yeah. don't okay. know if it's a profit. We have that trailing stop. Okay. That so that was your find. That was your call a friend out card. Yes, thank you. Do you know these? Yeah. <laughs> I do very well. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's uh, move on. 
one should trade the same number of contracts in all markets? Oh, of course not. Um, we have our ATR-based approach. I'm not sure. I, I get that right or wrong back in 1983. <laughs> not sure. Well, yeah, okay, good. If one has $100,000 to risk, one ought to risk $25,000 on every trade. Uh, golly. These sound pretty silly right now, but um, of course not. We need to stay in the game and trade small. Yeah. On initiation, one should know precisely where to liquidate if a loss occurs. Yes, uh, of course. You can never go broke taking profits. True or false? Definitely false. Um, we need those profits to be large, and we need the system to produce, to keep us in those long-term trends, outliers. So taking a lot of small... We need the, those big winners to offset our small losses. If our gains are too small, they won't offset the 60% or more losses we take. Question number seven. It helps to have the fundamentals in your favor before you initiate. You know, Rich said, let's fade the fundam fundamentals. It's better if the fundamentals disagree. <laughs> I love that answer. And I frequently say that just to tweak people. Because, you know, you've always heard that... Uh, the best trades are when the fundamentals and their technicals align. Right. Not true. Question number eight. A gap up is a good place to initiate if an uptrend has started. I think so. You know, you're following the system once again. and uh, But don't be afraid of these gaps. It's certainly a really bad idea that I've run into with my CTA friends over the years is I like to buy on pullbacks. You may miss it. You can't miss those trades. Follow that system. Yeah. Question number nine. If you anticipate buy stops in the market, wait until they are finished and buy a little higher than that. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, just to fill you in here, I don't know if this really got into the books. You know, there's so much of their little fun details. I don't think made it into the turtle books. Okay. And what is essentially he's saying here is um, if you're if you're going to buy at the 100-day high and you think there are stops above that high, then just get in a little bit early, you know, right a, a little bit before the 100-day high, and then maybe this domino effect and cascade will take you through the high and the stops, and you'll have a little bit of built-in edge profit. Mm -hmm. And so the turtles, uh, technically speaking, it was never buy the high, whatever high that was, or sell the low, it was anticipate stops above that high or below that low. Technically, that's what it was. Okay. So you're, you're kind of looking for prominent chart peaks and troughs and saying, hey, I think there's stops there. Let's put our stop there. So maybe the 90-day high or the 110-day high, you tweak that a, a bit, that count a bit to anticipate those stops. Kind okay. of a fun technical point. Okay, so so to answer the question, if you anticipate buy stops in the market, wait until they're finished and buy a little higher than that. True or false? False. False. You didn't before. Yep. Okay. Question number ten: Are three types of orders markets, uh, market order, stop order, and resting market orders cost the least skid? False. They they cause the most okay. skid. And the rule here was once we got there, we were sort of told that you know. This is a prime example of doing the right thing and 
understanding that when the that the benefit of doing the right thing is a long-term process. So putting a market order in, it's going to create more slippage because you're paying the market, whatever's at the market. And it feels good because you don't have to put a limit in, miss it, put a, move the limit up, move the limit up. But taking that pain of doing limit orders works out better in the long run. Doing the market order is a little bit of extra cost every single trade. You don't even really feel it. It just adds mm -hmm. up. Whereas there could be some pain in limit orders, but, in the, but accept that pain because it's the right thing to do in the long term. All right, question number 11. The more bullish news you hear and the more people are going long, the less likely the uptrend is to continue after a substantial uptrend. <laughs> I think this is true. Yeah, you okay. know, um, yeah. we're getting a little frothy. It's, we've had right. a long trend. Everyone's bullish. That's when the trend uptrends end, when everyone's bullish. Yeah. Okay. The majority of traders are always wrong. So traders, not trades. The majority of traders are always wrong. Oh, I say false because of always. Okay. And he threw always in there. And I remember that was a point of emphasis. Don't say words like always or never. Right. Don't think okay. like that. However, sometimes I think the, a lot of the traders are wrong if they fade those breakouts, right? Sure. Cool. Question number 13. Trading bigger is an overall handicap to one's trading performance. I'd say that's true. I think um, this was one of those situations where we had a two or three week course and preaching the benefits of trading small. And then when trading began in January 2nd, 1984, we started trading really large. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a bit confused. Yeah. Okay, cool. Question 14, larger traders can muscle markets to their advantage. I'd say that, I can't remember what the answer to this one was. I think if I think false, but certainly true for a day or two, maybe, or a day or an afternoon. But being large, being a big trader is not uh, a big advantage, of course. Right. So I'll take it as false. Right. I think one of the things that Rich said was, you know, think about it. When you're done buying and you've had some slippage, the bigger you are, now all you can do is sell. The only impact you've, you have on the market is the opposite of what you want. So, yeah. yeah, I think I got that right. Okay, good. Here's an important one, question 15. Vacations are important for traders to keep the proper perspective. Oh, yeah, big true here. Can you imagine going there, getting all this knowledge, having this greatest job of all time, the market's closed at, you know, 210 and then S&P at 315. And then they say, oh, we want you to take at least a week off every month or two. I mean, how can you beat that? <laughs> you get burned out, you know, you get frustrated. You need to re be rejuvenated. And, uh, Rich was a big believer in that. Okay. Question number 16, under trading is almost never a problem. I think that's true as well. Um, I think one of Rich's famous quotes was, you're as bad as you're ever going to be. So trade small, pay your tuition, lose when, when you first start, lose with less money. Mm. Yeah, so under trading, at least in, especially in my career, it's, it's never been a problem. It's over trading has been a problem. Yeah. Question 17, 
Ideally, average profits should be about three or four times average losers. True, that's the secret of trend following and the frustration of building up those losses. 60, 70% of the trades are losses, but waiting on those outliers and having that positive expectation um, by having those big outliers. Yeah. Question 18, a trader should be willing to let profits turn into losses. Oh, a big one, big true. I mean, so frustrating, so counterintuitive. And you hear all the time on Twitter or you know, from a podcast where traders will say, well, well, we have our stop moved up to break even. You know, it's like psychologically, I don't want to lose money. And so it's not based upon what you want psychologically. It's based upon the math of the back test. And the computer says, let that nice profit turn into a loss. It works better. Question 19, a very high percentage of trades should be profits. Oh, I've already blown that one. That's definitely false. <laughs> the way it works and the way it's, everything uh, spills out is the 60% losing trades about there, I would say. On that same note, question 20, a trader should like to take losses. Oh, 100% true. Love your losses. You know, the reason is it's part of the system and you love your system and you're putting all your faith in this system. So whatever characteristic the system has, you love it. <clears throat> it's like your children. For, to you, that thing that maybe would turn off others, is one of the favorite characteristics of that child. You love this about him. It may look like a problem, but this is what makes that child that child. This is what makes our system our system. All these characteristics are to be embraced because the bottom line is, are we happy that it's going to produce these great profits? Yes. So don't try to mess around too much with the characteristics of this system that's going to produce these profits. Yeah. Question 21, it is especially relevant when the market is higher than it's been in four and 13 weeks. <laughs> system one and system two, by the four yeah. week, by the 13 week, of course. Um, you know, that has changed in my mind a, a bit. That's a bit too short term uh, nowadays. Sure. But at the time, that was the parameters for system one and system two. Yeah. Question 22, needing and wanting money are good motivators to good trading. False needs to um, be irrespective of your emotional needs and your financial needs so you can focus in on following that system. Now, question 23 is one's natural inclinations are good guides to decision-making in trading. False. Trading is counterintuitive. That gets... You know, that's another thing you and I have discussed where I continue to try to take the opposite point of view here that uh, one should not devise a system that meets their personality. I think right. um, my personality is 1% a month and my personality is not having a lot of volatility and vol targeting and whoa, now we're not letting our profits run. So I can't be trusted if, I'm, if my goal is optimal trading performance. I can't also say to the market, I want money and I want my psychological needs met. Quite the opposite. I think a caveat to that is trade a, a counterintuitive approach that, like trend following, that takes small losses and has infrequent profits and drives you crazy. Choose a leverage size and a risk budget that you can handle. So like if you, if you can handle 5% 
frequent 5% up days and minus days, then that's okay, then go for it. But if you're more like me, I like to see 50 basis points plus or minus per day on average or 100 basis points, then, you know, scale it back to where you can follow the system. Yeah, yeah, good, good points. Question 24, luck is an ingredient in successful trading over the long run. False, not over the long run. And what is the long run? Five or 10 years, maybe. But over the short run, of course, I used to get very nervous when clients would brag about me of, you had a great month. I was like, month? Oh my gosh. You know, as in the turtle program, we never kept a monthly track record. I was shocked when I started Chesapeake in 1988 that we needed monthly performance tables. I was like, this is crazy, monthly. Wow. I was I had a good training to where I didn't pay attention to monthly or daily or weekly returns. And now we produce daily performance numbers. Imagine that. Anyway, question number 25. When you're long, limit up is a good place to take a profit. False. Uh, limit up, we, we, uh, you know, it's counter trend. So we're going to go with the trend. You know, Rich would say, be a trend follower hourly, daily, weekly, monthly, all the time. You know, always just try to buy the high and sell the lows. And so if the market's going with you, we, got, we have nothing to do except be thankful. Sure. Question 26, it takes money to make money. This is my favorite, uh, false. This is definitely false. And the explanation, which I totally agree with, which I hopefully I get it right, or even I hope Rich doesn't listen to this, uh, be much safer, <laughs> is, you know, you don't want to be the type of person that when someone says, well, did you, are you successful? Did you make money? And you say, no, you know, uh, no, you know, it, it takes money to make money. And I don't have money. And of course, this is my out. This is my excuse. And so, of course, we know that um, it does take a bit. And I was the beneficiary of a $1 million account after all this perfect training I got. And, but uh, I think, in the, you know, we don't want to be a type of person who uh, has that as one of our ingrained beliefs. Sometimes it takes some help, but it takes smarts and intelligence. And, you know, that's just something that most people realize today. If you have a good idea, there's tons of money out there looking for good ideas. Yeah. Question 27, it's good to follow hunches in trading. False. It's good to follow your systematic approach. <laughs> yeah, that was an easy one. Question 28, there are players in each market one should not trade against. I think false. I mean, who are these people? How would I know when I buy my breakout in coffee or not gas, am I supposed to also figure out who I'm buying it from? Question 29, all speculators die broke. <laughs> well, that's interesting. That's a long time. I think false, especially, I love the word speculator. It gets tossed around and criticized by people who don't take small losses and who don't pay attention to breakouts and are not systematized and don't go with the trend. So they're the They'll get bailed out by the stock market if it keeps going up, but too risky. You know, you could end your life, think, you could end your life or end your trading career thinking that you're so special. And yet you probably, a lot of the people who don't exercise trend following principles consistently over their span uh, probably are the lucky ones. Yeah.
Almost halfway through question 30, the market can be understood better through social psychology than through economics. I think true, for sure. And I think that's what trend following does. It puts you in a situation where you're doing things unlike most of the people. And, you know, like we said, nobody wants to buy the high, watch profits turn into losses, have 60% losing trades, take small trades all the time, wait around for these huge outliers, and you have nothing you can do except wait for your predetermined trailing stop. You're not in control of this trade. It's, the system is controlling you. So it's, it's a lot uh, to like about it when you look at it through uh, doing the right thing, doing the hard thing, and being counterintuitive. Yeah, cool. Question 31, taking a loss should be a difficult decision for traders. False. After so many years, it's so easy. I get nervous when I have these big profits, <laughs> which may be a future question that you're going to ask me. Right. I was going to just say, question 32, let me interrupt you here. After a big profit, the next trend following trade is more likely to be a loss. I think true. You know, I think that uh, that was definitely the right answer. And that's what they taught us, you know, try to delay the next trade after a big profit because it might, it's probably going to be a loss and essentially V tops and V bottoms, you know, after a big V top, is it a, is it, is it good to get short quickly? I think the answer is probably no, but that may have changed in the data since, since the turtle program. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting question. Actually question 33 trends are not likely to persist. Thankfully false. Uh, they do persist, especially further than most of us think. And we, as a, we, as a, as a species get very nervous about these trends. And as I've said before, another cliche was be cowardly with your losses and be bold with your profits. And people do the opposite. They usually are very hopeful for a small loss that it's going to come back. Psychologically, I don't want to take a loss. And then they're very fearful when they have a big profit, when they should be very hopeful that it's going to keep going. Yeah. I mean, this year, if anything, has really taught us uh, or reminded us about these uh how, how far these trends can go, so uh, definitely. And isn't it strange that when we get these markets that look like the 70s and 80s and 90s, classic trend following does well. I mean, it took long enough, but of course it does. Let's just hope we don't revert back to a period where my classic trend following didn't look so well. True. Although I would say it would be refreshing if people started writing articles, people who have been writing the articles about how trend following is dead would start actually paying attention and write some different articles now because I think it is important for people just to kill that myth that these things can't happen in the future because we don't know what the future brings. All right, question 34. Almost all information about a commodity is at least a little useful in helping make decisions. Uh, false. We don't want any information other than that price trends and breakouts. I think there's been some psychological papers written, papers about the psychology of too much information and how it paralyzes us sometimes, and it's not helpful. And according to the classic trend followers, price has embedded in a lot of information about the market. All you need to know is embedded in the price. And some of this information is secret information that's happening the fundamentals or the important fundamentals can be quite quite mysterious and secret. Question 35, it's better to be an expert in one or two markets rather than try to trade 10 or more markets. 
Uh, false from a, from a trend-following point of view. This is a miracle of trend-following that not only does it work, but it allows us, whatever shortcomings it may have, it's overcome by, we're instant experts. The system is an instant expert, just as it adds more and more markets, and we get more and more benefits of this diversification. And so it really is an amazing situation that CTAs have more diversification than any other investment, pretty much. Not even counting that we do longs and shorts. Yeah, very true. Question 36. In a winning streak, total risk should rise dramatically. This is interesting. We talked a little bit about this on Clubhouse. That's false. The turtle money management was when you're losing, trade smaller. And when you're winning, don't trade bigger. Too much bigger. I mean, don't be slow to increase your risk because, you know, these profits are fluctuating and we're making money, but are we going? How, how much are we going to make? We don't really know. And just proper risk management would say we're going to reduce equity quicker if we're losing than increasing it when we're winning. Here's an interesting one. Question 37. Trading stocks is similar to trading commodities. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I'd bet the answer to that was false. I'm not sure. That's another thing I never... You can choose whatever you want to go with. Yeah. You know, we took the test a second time once we got there. So I had a high score, I think that maybe the highest score, they said. And I think I missed four. So I think after going through the course and they said, take the test again, I think I missed four again. And it was the wrong, it was a different four. So that's an admission I don't... I hope it doesn't get out, but... No, no, it's just between you and yeah, me. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so should we? Should I click true or false? Trading say, stocks is similar to trading commodities. I th I'm going to say it's false. I think back okay. in that period, they were going to say false. But I think for me now, right. I treat them the same. Yeah, okay, fair enough. We chose uh, false in this uh, case. Question 38. It's a good idea to know how much you are ahead or behind during a trading session? I'm going to say false. Could be true. Once again, I think if you're losing a lot of money, you need to know that so you can reduce. But whatever it takes for you to focus in on following those rules and not be overcome by the ups and downs of the money, that's a tough one. Okay, we went with false on this. Question 39, a losing month is an indication of doing something wrong. 100% false on that. Um, losing month means nothing. Are we following the system? Are we letting those profits run? Well, you get another chance here because question 40, a losing week is an indication of doing something wrong. False. Okay, good. Question 41, the big money in trading is made when one can get long at lows after a big downtrend. False. We're waiting for the high. Going to get the meat of that trend. Right. Try to call the low. On the same vein, question 42, it's good to average down when buying. Yeah, it's, like I said, this is false. You know, this is like I said earlier, you want to be a trend follower all the time, daily, weekly, hourly, monthly. And we just always want to buy the highs. We're not looking for a yeah. bargain here. True. Question 43, after a long trend, the market requires more consolidation before another trend starts. I think that's true. I think uh, that's usually we're back to after a big winner is the next trade likely to yeah. be a profit. The markets need to consolidate 
work off some of the excess, reduce their volatility. I think that happens in the majority of tabs. But you know, I have seen, and I and this is embedded in my systematic approach, that I, if the market has been profitable, I'm slow to take the next trade. If the market has been particularly choppy with lots of false breakouts, I'm prone to get in quicker. And you know, sometimes you keep taking those losses. But I remember in, in 07 or 08 when crude was at $150. It was just straight down. That's 08. And so I was, you know, late getting short because I'm it was the last trade was a huge winner. So so this is another principle of trading. What works over the long term is what you want to do. But does it work every time? No. These C minus trades can actually do pretty well sometimes. Yeah. Here's an interesting question, question 44. It's important to know what to do if trading commodities doesn't succeed. You know, it's funny. This is one of the questions that I remember very well because I got it wrong. And so my attitude was false. And I'm going to be a very macho person here. You know, I'm tough. I'm not going to even care about the future. My future is trading this job, being successful. But the answer was true. I mean, I think you need to um, make, you know, have a plan. And it doesn't mean that you're less than less of a person if you don't succeed at this. It, and it doesn't mean that you have to pretend that you know it's better for you not to have a plan outside of trading. It's okay. You know, it's uh, just deal with life the way it comes and um, no reason to be macho about it. So yeah, have a plan. That's fine. So you want to say it's true today? True. Yes, you should have a plan. Yeah. yeah. Question 45. It's not helpful to watch every quote in the markets one trades. Very true. I try never to watch the quotes. <laughs> I'm emotionally influenced by it. Um, I don't like it. You know, um, I don't know if everybody looks at it this way, but I really, really enjoy logging in, looking at the charts and seeing my favorite uptrend where I'm long close on Friday at the highs. I mean, you know, it's, it's so comforting that sure. look at that trend close right on the highs. Now it's likely to be limit down on Monday. We can all pretend, you know, how smart we are and how much better we feel when the markets, we watch these ticks and we're, sure. and our opinions are confirmed. Indeed. Question 46. It's a good idea to put on or take off a position all at once. Uh, false. I'll, uh, multiple entries, multiple exits. We have massive market diversification. Let's get a bit of technique and trend following and entry and exit diversification. So that's, that's an easy one. On that point, question 47, diversification in commodities is better than always being in one or two markets. Yes, of course. Massive diversification. Like I mentioned earlier, soybeans, kind of a flat to short trade now. Bean oil, skyrocketing. Mm, yeah. Question 48. If a day's profit or loss makes a significant difference to your net worth, you're overtrading. Uh, true. Yeah, we don't want that to occur. Insignificant. We want each of these trades to be insignificant. They're so small; they don't really matter. It's the accumulation of the of the trade P and L and the days and the weeks. However, like I said, there have been times where I lost a lot of money in one day. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Question forty nine: A trader learns more from his losses than his profits. 
I think the answer to this was definitely true. I'm not so sure that I agree with that. I tell you where I learned a lot is getting out of profits too quickly. Mm. That's kind of a loss, isn't it? Because it kind of goes back up and then you leave a lot of money on the table. So yeah, I'll stick with um, losses. Yeah. I mean, we're taking these small losses. What are we going to learn from it? They're, they're just, we're a robot. We have no trouble with that. In fact, we, I like to get out, you know, I'm yeah. tired of this trade. I'm tired of losing. But I think definitely. So should we go true or false on this one? Uh, <laughs> I forgot the question. A trader learns more. Exactly. A trader learns more from his losses than his profits. True. All right. Question 50. Except for commission and brokerage fees, execution costs for entering orders are minimal over the course of a year. False. We had to be very careful with our execution or slippage and skid is what we called it back in the day. So this is a material cost, especially if you're shorter term like we were. I think the emphasis here is just to pay attention, use those limit orders as often as you can to minimize the slippage. Question 51, it's easier to trade well than to trade poorly. Definitely false. We're humans and, and uh, we have a good system. We've used it. It's made us a lot of money. Then how do we wake up the very next day with a pretty decent chance of overriding the system and being emotional? We, we're affected by profits and losses. An interesting question here, number 52. It's important to know what success in trading will do for you later in life. Oh, darn. I don't know if I know the answer to that one. Um, <laughs> I'll say false. Not sure okay. why. Head down, following the system. Whatever happens in the future, it'll probably be good if you can do that for a long period of time. I tweeted about this yesterday, this whole idea of sort of being above, slightly above average over a 30 or 40 year period, and you'll be in the top one or two percent mm. of everybody else because you you didn't make any big mistakes and you kept you know, doing pretty well, okay well, for a long period of time. So. Question 53, uptrends end when everyone gets bearish. I'm going to say false. We said, I think that was a similar question earlier. They kind of end when everyone is bullish. Yeah. No one's willing to buy anymore. Right. On the same vein, the more bullish news you hear, the less likely a market is to break out on the upside. I'm going to say true to that. Uh, golly, I'm not sure, but it just we got to fade the news and not want our positions to be verified by outside sources. That was a kind of a theme. You know, we had a lot of training and psychological commentary about, uh, do you want the, the praise from others? And I think trading should be lonely and you should get nervous when you see too much news or too many of your friends thinking that you, you have a you have the right position on you sort of want to be in the minority and have skepticism reign uh, when you're long it's a question that tells you uh, the time that these questions were done for an off floor trader a long-term trade ought to last three or four weeks or less i think true um i think um the short-term guys they're doing daily or hourly or minute by minute mm -hmm. So at that point in time, those uh, shorter-term systems uh, would do pretty well for a big pop in the market that lasted two or three or four weeks. 
probably an easy one, number 56. Others' opinions of the market are good to follow. False. Yeah, I think we can move on from that one. Number 57. Volume and open interest are as important as price action. I think false here. There's nothing more important than price action. I think there are traders who try to integrate volume and open interest and wait that breakout maybe it's more important if it happened on large volume or I think that's not anything that we have ever done. I remember Rich saying that volume and open interest can be, those numbers can kind of be polluted by spreading maybe, but anyways, nothing's as important as price action. Number 58, we're on the home stretch now. Number 58, daily strength and weakness is a good guide for liquidating long-term positions with big profits. I think false, unfortunately. We'd like to have a signal that um, a big down day near the high of the trend is a good signal. You know, uh, I think that's false. I think one of the things Rich would say was, you know, if you go back and you look at all the turning points, you might see a lot of those type of days where it was a big down day. At the high, there's a big down day. The problem is there's big down days all throughout the trend. So that's kind of an illusion that our eyes see on the chart and the computer says, not so fast, not so fast. Very good, 59, question 59. Off-floor traders should spread different markets of different market groups. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to say false. I'm going to say, okay. I don't know why. I don't know. I, I got that question wrong probably every time I took the test. So I don't know the answer. <laughs> Fair enough. Question 60. The more people are going long, the less likely an uptrend is to continue in the beginning of a trend. I'm going to say false. Let's everybody get long in the beginning. And we don't want everyone long at the end. I mean, that's sort of the end, right? We just said that. When everyone's mm. bullish and long after a big trend, it's probably on borrowed time. 61. Off-floor traders should not spread different delivery months of the same commodity. True. All right, 62. Buying dips and selling rallies is a good strategy. False again. It must, might be the third or fourth time they tried to sneak that one in on us. Yeah. Not waiting yeah. for a pullback. <laughs> we, you know, it's so, it, it's just the, um, the human nature of wanting to buy something on sale and not get a, a bad fill. But the math of it all doesn't make sense. You're going to take a small loss, so buy it. And then you're going to hold on and make a ton of money. So even if it's gone up a bit and, you, and it's been this gap, you know, what is that gap in relationship to what kind of gap was there when we first got into UK nat gas? I mean, it's so irrelevant, right? Mm. And that's the thing I've learned is being so obsessed with this entry. Do I buy it today, later, this breakout, that breakout? It's the most inconsequential decision ever when you, in hindsight, when you're riding this big trend. What was I thinking? I had my priorities all misplaced. Final question, number 63. It's important to take a profit most of the time. False. And you know, honestly, it doesn't matter how you do it. You, what excuse you give it, you can 
call it vault targeting, call it an obvious trade. It's it's probably the the most important thing for very successful people that they hung on and they rode the trends longer and accepted more volatility. That that's really the one of the characteristics of highly successful traders. Yeah. Now that was the test. So well done. Well done for being such a great sport. I'm going to ask you a question while I wait to see whether or not we actually get a reply back from this uh, machine that Andrew has. I'm sure it might uh, give us a reply with the score. But I wanted to ask you, and obviously for you just thinking a little bit on your feet here, but today, what kind of one or two questions would you add to a test like this? What what would be kind of your thinking in terms of adding something that you would like to know from people trying to apply for becoming a trend-following trader? And while I do that, I'm just going to look at, at another screen, Jerry. That's a good question. I talk to traders a lot and people who want to get into the business and who want me to help them and have another turtle program. I think it was very unique with the turtles that we were all so willing or mostly willing to follow the rules and accept the rules that were given to us. And I think that's just a lack of, that's not typical these days. That um, so I think uh, maybe I would try to confirm that with the applicants that if I give you rules and give you ideas, are you prone to accept my explanations? So I think that that is not just will you be disciplined, but the turtles were just willing to say, hey, Rich and Bill are incredibly smart. They're giving me money. I'm not going to really argue with them so much. I mean, it's good to argue if you have a good reason. I think that's a very important thing these days. Are you willing to think out of the box and follow some of these crazy trend-following rules? And I think that would be my main concern about investing in other people. Sure. Well, the good news is I have your score, so I'm going to just move the microphone a little bit because I have to read this. So the comment that came back from the website, the 40 in, 20 out, is good job. With this score, you might be considered as a potential candidate for the Trading Apprentice Program but this would rely heavily on following up written essays and a qualitative assessment. You have a great base to build off. With a little more reading and practical observation, you could be on your way to becoming a trend-following expert. Isn't that great to know, awesome. Jerry? I'm really happy about that. Uh, do you know? Do you want to know your score? I don't. <laughs> I don't. You know, uh, it's good. Jerry, it's good. It's good. What are the... 90%. Oh. 90%. Nice. Well done. You know, the thing of it is, is that um, a few years ago, Andrew asked me to do this same thing. And so I think that he may have changed some of his answers based upon my answers, but oh, okay. I didn't answer consistently, <laughs> which I think is what I admitted to when we first started. <laughs> Get ready. I, you know, yeah. It's pretty interesting. It's uh, really fun. And we need to find the other 32. And then not only that, there yeah. were five essay questions that okay. we need to find those as well uh, that we had to yeah. answer with one sentence. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. That in itself is a good experiment, actually. Yeah. Cool. Well done. I, I mean, I really hope that a lot, you know, I, I hope people listening to this today, first of all, thought it was fun. 
Secondly, really learn something because those answers are, are timeless, really. So um, it would be fun if, if we could add the last 37 questions and, and a few essays and so we can continue uh, our uh, honoring the experiment that Richard put together back in the 80s. Let me round off with some performance updates. Speaking of trends doing well, uh, so are the benchmarks. So this is as of Thursday. Beta 50 up another 86 basis points, up 9.59, uh, 58% for the year. SockGen CTA index up 63 basis points, up uh, for October, up 7.8% for the year. SockGen trend index up a full percent, up 11.62% for the year. And the SockGen short-term traders index is down eight basis points in October, but up 28 basis points for the year. My trend barometer is at 58. That's a strong reading. So that co uh, confirms uh, what we see in the performance numbers. MSCI World also up for the month of October, um, up 1.24%, up 13.15%. But the bond's not doing so well. World government bonds down 39 basis points in October so far. I hope that was not uh, too much of a surprise, uh, Jerry. You seem pretty uh, pretty cool about it. Oh, I loved it. I'm glad I was learned about it at the same time that the listeners did. Uh, it was fun. I would have definitely prepared. Exactly. Gotten closer to 100%, hopefully. But um, these are it just brings back so many good memories. I love... I mean, how fortunate was I? Uh, it was pretty interesting because Richard mentioned the other day that he, he regrets not being part of that group. And I was like, darn, what a would have been so much fun to know Richard all these years. He's such a great addition <laughs> to our club and to our podcast. Absolutely. And do you know kind of what the range of scores were among those who were selected? I mean... Did Rich go all out and say, no, I'm just going to actually select someone who did really poorly just, just for the hell of it? I mean, Yeah, he definitely said he did that. You've heard me say this, but one of the most embarrassing things uh, was when we went up for the interview. So that's like 1,000 people applied in 83 and another 1,000 people in 84. I was in the 1983 group. And so uh, 40, let's say 40 people got an interview. I think Rich said that he asked everyone in the interview, how much do you currently know about trading? What do you think you know as a, from zero to 100%? So I said like 90%. And I think another person said 95 or 99. And then Liz Cheval, the only woman who uh, sure. got the job, said close to zero. <laughs> so there is another one of your little social experiments and of course liz was close to being correct closer and than um, right me and the other guys so that's kind of humbling and silly but um it was what a, what a great time we all had we all knew it was the greatest job of all time we told each other that and it certainly was and we would have i'd still be working there uh, working for yeah. rich if if, if that's what he had decided, yeah, what, what a great... Well, we're so grateful to, to you coming all the time and, and sharing these stories and anecdotes and, and, and lots of wisdom along with it. Uh, it is so important that, uh, that these things uh, continue to be um, spread around our community. Now, before we wrap up, let me just say that uh, I know that time is a great unrenewable resource and that 
you lend us an hour or two each week to keep up with the podcast uh, and Clubhouse to learn, to fail, and to get up with us to walk together on this journey of figuring out how to best trade and invest in an uncertain and sometimes crazy world. And for that, we are always incredibly grateful. And thank you again for considering supporting the mission of the Kids Heart Foundation. As I mentioned, the way to do it is just to send me an email at info at kidsheart.ch. On that note, we're going to wrap up this week's conversation. We hope that you have enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun for, for me and I'm sure for Jerry as well to go down this memory lane. Please, if you did, head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review so that other people can find this episode. Next week, I'm joined by Moritz. Make sure you uh, send us your questions. You can do that as always, info at toptradersunplugged.com and we'll do our best to answer them. Unless I spring a surprise test on him, of course, as well. You'll be warned, Moritz. You never know. And of course, follow Jerry and me on Twitter, where we also share information. From Jerry and me, thanks ever so much for listening. And until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Thanks for listening to the Systematic Investor Podcast Series. If you enjoy this series, go on over to iTunes and leave an honest rating and review. And be sure to listen to all the other episodes from Top Traders Unplugged. If you have questions about systematic investing, send us an email with the word question in the subject line to info at toptradersunplugged.com and we'll try to get it on the show. And remember, all the discussion that we have about investment performance is about the past, and past performance does not guarantee or even infer anything about future performance. Also understand that there's a significant risk of financial loss with all investment strategies, and you need to request and understand the specific risks from the investment manager about their products before you make investment decisions. Thanks for spending some of your valuable time with us, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Systematic Investor.